worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They'll eat your guts and spit them out. And when your bones begin to rot, the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by. For someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care? Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We should probably start with that. Oh. I had one job and it was to introduce the damn episode and I'm <laughs> Oh, hello friends. Sorry. This is the level we're at right now. <laughs> we are covering H this week. H is for Henry and his wives. Ooh, mm-hmm. drama. Drama indeed. So this, this this is the first official macabre episode with Mama drama? <laughs> uh, yeah, like Real Housewives of Henry. Like, that's kind of how it is. And I hope that I do the entire story justice. There's a lot to unwrap here. And it happened in such a short amount of time that, I mean, I don't even know how the freaking English stayed on their feet or the surrounding countries for that matter with how things were going in England because of Henry. And there were a lot of women. And I don't know if necessarily we're talking love here or just absolute desperation (laughs) in different facets here. There's a lot. There's a lot to, to discuss with this. And it's hard to wrap your head around to remember. Remember that he had six wives. And there's a lot of patterns here. So if anything you take from this episode is a little confusing, I'm hoping that the patterns will help you remember how this shit went down. There's a very famous rhyme out there that's divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Oh my God, I did not know that. Yeah. I thought you were going to give me the the one from... Was it the movie Ghost? Oh. I'm Henry VIII, I am. Henry VIII, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before. And everyone <laughs> was a Henry. Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that one? No. Okay. I, I watched Ghost too. I, I think like, it's from yeah. Ghost. Don't quote me on that because my memory is not great. But for it's whatever reason, my brain has attached that to the movie ghost <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious I, oh, sorry about that, that no i love that it's gonna be stuck in my head now i'm gonna find that i'm gonna figure that out <laughs> sorry listeners i don't have the best voice but oh same know. i probably sound uh i i was telling hallie earlier that i'm really hoping that my voice holds up i'm a little hoarse today uh you're you're not horse, you're sultry. You're oh. like a bluesy, jazzy diva. I'm, as long as it's that and not the grandma worm from SpongeBob yelling chocolate, then I think we're okay. <laughs> do, you, uh, <laughs> care, do you care to elaborate with listeners on why your voice is horse? 
Not horse, sultry. Sorry. Sultry. (laughs) Hey, with good reason. Definitely worth it. Last night, I attended an event called the Fireball. And it is an annual drag show that happens in my town at the University of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Every year in February. Badass. (laughs) Oh, it is such a good time. And this was their 10th year. And they each year they grow and it is absolutely fantastic. They have uh, they have two nights of it because that's how big it is. And they have headliners each night that um, they're usually from RuPaul's Drag Race. This year, they actually had somebody from Dragula. If any of you are familiar with the drag show Dragula with the Boulay brothers, I highly recommend it, especially if we're talking macabre on this podcast that is macabre meets drag and it is absolutely (laughs) phenomenal and i love it oh i'm jealous oh yes the headliner last night was ava destruction shout out to ava you fucking rocked it and (laughs) i had the absolute pleasure of meeting her afterwards and she told me that i looked fierce as hell in my red suit you that, might have to post that photo on yeah. instagram i think when this you know that'd be yeah that'd be cool oh, i it would be awesome to do uh she was fantastic and to be given that kind of compliment i was like wow thank you <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome i screamed my head off so that's why i'm a little um we'll say sultry this morning <laughs> And what better way, um, for those of you who have never attended a drag show, I highly recommend it. It is absolutely fantastic. And it is nothing but welcoming and open armed for people to come in and see these performances. It's all about love. And I, I won't go into all of the politics that are surrounding that right now i i do highly recommend you go out and educate yourselves um that's just uh i I can step off my soapbox here but please go and educate yourselves on the topics that are being brought up in the government and what is trying to be uh turned for laws that are out there um we we are definitely a podcast that we are we are welcome to everybody. Please keep that in mind. We welcome you all. There is no inclusive. restrictions on this. We're very, very inclusive. Very inclusive. Yeah. And we have a flair for drama. So what we better do. way to introduce this episode with a real life? Because <laughs> yeah. that is a that is a performance. Oh yeah. Definitely. And like I said, whereas last night was about love, uh Henry, I think a lot of this in his life was uh, all around that desperation tactic. Uh, Not a lot of love involved. And I have to say, I'm sorry, but if you have a thing for Catherine's, Anne's, or Jane's, you just might be the eighth king of England named Henry. (laughs) Was he unattractive? I'm sorry. Back in the day when he was younger, he was actually a looker. Okay. Uh, it wasn't until, because I mean, a lot of portraits that we see of him are in his older years where he's starting to really 
uh, develop and be conscious of some of the medical issues that have been kind of underlying the entire time. And he started gaining weight because he had leg ulcers. And um, But he used to be quite the looker when he was younger. Uh, he was quite athletic when he was younger. Uh, he loved hunting and dancing. And he was in very good health up until the later years. So part of me is like, maybe that was just karma. Yeah. Especially up to with him. how things went down. Oh yeah, for sure. And a lot of people, when he was, he was the younger brother of um, the two siblings that uh, King Edward the fourth and Elizabeth had, there was Arthur was the oldest. And then you had Henry and obviously being a monarch family, you had to be very well educated and they both sons were in great health. And they both, even though Henry wasn't in line for the throne, they were both expected to be doing great things with their lives despite. And Arthur and this, I mean, we have drama starting right off the bat. So drama. Arthur, oh yeah, Arthur married in 1501 to, guess who? Catherine of Aragon. That name will play in later. They were married and the two newlyweds were traveling to the Ludlow Castle in Shropshire. Please forgive me if I mispronounce that or literally anything in any episode ever because uh, I try my best but let's be real <laughs> I don't get it all right they were there for only six months when stuff started going down and oh yeah in early 1502 they both contracted the sweating sickness what is yeah. the sweating sickness I'm guessing a fever <laughs> obviously a fever of it, some sort it is um, it's a very contagious disease that completely scoured Europe between the years of 14, like in the 1480s, and then it ended in the 1550s. And there were just sporadic epidemics of this in that entire time in and out. How, how have I never heard of this? Does it have another name? Um, It does have another name that ended up being a different type of illness. And I cannot remember it. It was very well known in France after the 1550s. Oh, gosh. I didn't write that name down. Dang it. Sounds like me at night. Yeah. <laughs> got the sweat and sickness. It got the sweat and sickness. I need cooler sheets and a mattress. <laughs> Dude, same. Sometimes those uh, memory foam things are absolutely beautiful for if you have aches and pains, but they are not good in the summertime. You need the temperature controlled kind oh, yeah. that's out there. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, ew. What Especially the in the Midwest. <laughs> oh, definitely. Especially when it gets humid. It's either cold as balls or humid. There's like no in between. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to <laughs> say about the Midwest Sorry, weather. I got it. I got distracted. <laughs> no, that's okay. And I, I'll go back to your question, though, about what the sweating sickness was. So that was just kind of like the vague term. But this is really nasty stuff. Like it started with chills and tremors, followed 
fastly by a fever and extreme weakness. The body would be covered in sweat and oftentimes also in rashes. And through the course of it, it was so violent that the mortality rate that was listed at that time was between 30 to 50 percent. Wow. Yes. And nobody, does anybody know like what, what was the primary like factor in mortality? Um, I believe it was the fever from what sources I have said, but a lot of people don't necessarily know if that's true. Hmm. Um, It ran through people so fast that sometimes even within a few hours of showing your symptoms, you were dead. Oh my God. Yeah. And it, I mean, it ravaged your body. You would convulse. And so I don't know if it was, you died from the shock of it or the fever itself or a combination of the two. I'm not sure, but, and And especially good, whatever it was, it was not good. (laughs) Yeah, no. And in that time, obviously they didn't really have much to combat it. So you just had to let it take its course. And in this case with Catherine and Arthur, unfortunately, Arthur did not make it. And Catherine did survive, which leads to what happens next? Obviously, since Arthur passed, that leaves Henry in line for the throne. So they started preparing Henry. And only a, a year after Arthur passed away, Henry's mother, Elizabeth of York, died. And she mm-hmm. died only a few days after giving birth to a daughter who didn't make it. And I believe that Elizabeth of York was 38 when she gave birth to this daughter. So she's getting up in years. And for that time, having a child in that time frame was old because people were considered spinsters by like 22. Yeah. I mean, if you live to be 38, that was, that was something. And even now in, in the world we live in, once you kind of get close to 40, you know, there's a lot more risk involved. Yeah. So I can't even imagine at that time, obviously it did not go well. Exactly. And what, what age is it that you're technically considered a geriatric pregnancy? Is it 32? Now? I think it's anything beyond 40. 40. But if oh, there are any okay. nurses, doctors out there who want to chime in, uh, yeah. I think it's like 40. You have to really watch for um, some genetic issues. And yeah things like that. Yeah, I would be interested to know cuz I have a couple friends that are having babies now. So I'm <laughs> like, hey, they're talking about stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, they keep bringing up geriatric pregnancy. I was like, what? Yeah, like, I think it's a little bit later. I think it's like around 40, but I I can okay. meet myself and you can keep going and I'll look it up. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm totally curious on that. So, she had passed and Henry was, you know, he kept preparing to be the new heir on the throne. And in 1509, six years after Elizabeth passed away, Henry VII died from tuberculosis. So Henry, having a lot of loss, is off to a great start. And even though he has people to help him with being prepared for sitting on that throne, 
he really didn't necessarily have the guidance that he needed because he never thought that he would be sitting there. So he's a little bit of a Joffrey? A little bit of a Joffrey. Mm, yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't know who Joffrey is, you need to be watching Game of Thrones. I agree. You need to get on that because he is definitely a Joffrey. A month and a half after Henry VII passed away, Henry and Catherine of Aragon were married. Now buckle same, up. Same Catherine, right? Same Catherine. His brother's wife. And we we buckle it up here because it's time to really get okay. into that real housewives of Henry. I'm gonna strap Jr. on my I'm gonna strap <laughs> on my little safety blanket and you're gonna need it. Myself in. <laughs> you're totally gonna need it. So at the age of 17, Henry married Catherine of Aragon, and Catherine was older than him because obviously she was married not this isn't always the case. They're usually younger than their suitors, the wives. But Henry, or Arthur, being the older sibling, Catherine was older. Catherine was 23 at this point when she married Henry. So and that's a pretty big difference back in those days for a very, woman and a man. Very big difference. And usually it was the other way around with the age. And there was a lot of controversy with this because while Catherine and Arthur were married for a very short amount of time, they had thought that there were ample opportunities for them to consummate their marriage. And Catherine proclaimed that she and Arthur never fully consummated their marriage and that she came to the marriage with Henry as pure as the day she came out of the womb. And Henry attested to this after their official wedding night. Remember that for later. He attested mm. to this. Okay? Mm. Remember this. Noted. <laughs> and also, I have a really random thought as, as far as this goes. Wasn't it a thing that, like, on the night, and I'm hoping I'm not giving away anything you're going to say later, but... Oh, no, go for it, it. Isn't it a thing back then for them to prove that a woman was virtuous, that yes. there was like this guy, this designated guy that would examine her. Yep. Um, they Actually, there was a few ways. Uh, there was a guy that, yes, would be designated for that. It would usually be the royal physician. The other way would be to do the deed. And mm -hmm. then after the fact, Mm -hmm. The evidence. Uh, yep. The evidence would be paraded. Oh my gosh. No. Yep. Uh, the sheet would be brought out to. No. Yeah. Oh, not, but not for the, not for the faint of heart people, yeah, not for the faint of heart, not, not for the faint of heart, but even worse, if it wasn't those two options, there would actually be a consummation audience. I knew it. Yes. I knew that too. Oh, uh, can you imagine? You, yeah. And I'm sorry, if you didn't have performance anxiety before, let's put a room full of people in Can there you with you. Oh my gosh. Mm. No. no way. Especially if, you know, I'm sure. And back then, I believe it was no different. You know, guys joke about it. They're, you know, they talk about stuff. But a lot of times with women, nothing is ever explained especially back then about what is expected, what is to happen. You know, it was very rare that a mother would 
sit down with her daughter to really talk about that, to prepare her and to have all of that happen all at once. I mean, uh, talk about nightmares for the rest of your life. It's very macabre, and I'm glad that Mm -hmm. I live in the century that I live in. Oh, same. No. Oh, no way. Uh. And I mean, these were courtiers that you would have to see after the fact. As a royalty piece, somebody you're supposed to be looking up to and you're supposed to govern these people. And you're like, mm, you were, uh, you were front present. Row. Yeah. Front and center. You were front row. I hope nobody brought popcorn. Uh, let's just not, <laughs> you know, I mean, oh. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> but really, at for being 17 at that time and to marry somebody, the wife being 23, I mean, we talked about what age would be considered a spinster. And yeah. For, chi- I mean, for childbirth, a geriatric is 35 and up. 35. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The risk gets wow. higher and higher as you move closer to 40. Gotcha. Okay. Well, good to know. Cause I was like, okay, when the hell would be considered a geriatric pregnancy? There like, you what go. The heck? Yeah. Dr. Now Google delivers. Dr. Google. Thank you. So at the age of 18, Henry officially became King. And believe it or not, he and Catherine were actually very happy for many years. I did not know that either. Yeah. I just assumed he was turning and what do you call it burning and turning (laughs) oh he will be you do just wait and we'll see where this starts to turn um it's quite unfortunate so when Catherine finally became pregnant henry was already desperate for a son and i guess if we're going to look at it in his perspective i can understand a little bit about why he would be desperate Uh, obviously he is the last left between his parents and his brother. It really comes down to him at this point to carry on the line. But at what point is too desperate? We will definitely cover that. He wanted the Tudor line to carry on in any way possible. And he wanted, his goal in life was to crown his son, the heir king, when he reached adulthood so that he would be more prepared than he was going into it and having that support system. I mean, that's probably the only redeeming. Maybe I don't really know that much about him, but I assume that's one of the redeeming things about him. Yeah. And that might be one of the only. (laughs) And good on you for wanting that for your child. I will give you that. But the... The route cost. that it took, yeah, yeah. Uh, not not worth it. Uh, and when I say desperate, I, I totally mean desperate. Um, <laughs> when Catherine did give birth, it was a daughter, and this would be, of course, Mary the first. And something began to grow within Henry that would only prove to become more and more monstrous with each attempt at having that heir. It was soon after, and some argue even while Catherine was pregnant, that Henry began looking at other women, and it was well known that he had a mistress. Don't they all? Don't they all? Yeah. Guess who this mistress was? 
I do not know. I can say, mm. <laughs> I can say without a doubt, I actually don't know, but I might know. <laughs> oh, and it gets scandalous. Okay. His mistress, his first mistress was Mary Bolin. Remember that? Mary name? Bolin. Mm-hmm. I thought there was an Anne Bolin. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that oh, one. God. Okay. <laughs> so it's Mary Bolin as the very first of many to come. And believe it or not, Mary was one of Catherine's first ladies-in-waiting. So she was, is that someone who kind of like attends to them? Yes. She helps like dress them and I don't even know, didn't they like help bathe them and all kinds of weird stuff? Uh, Dress them, wash them. They were always present. Uh, And even through toiletry things, like you said, they even were involved with the bathing. Um, They did everything. They attended her every whim. And um, it wasn't uncommon to have more than six. And some. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I some wish girls. I, had, I wish I had <laughs> right? six people to like help me around the house. That'd be oh, amazing. Same. Not that I want them to bathe me or anything. Oh, no. but I'll do that. You I can don't put need on, that. They, they can put on my makeup. They can yeah, cook. They my, can clean. All that. Exactly. Do my freaking hair and makeup because I don't know how. <laughs> um let's just be real if i could wake up in the morning and have somebody be like dude i got your coffee ready for you we're gonna do your hair i'm like oh i love you <laughs> and i assume too that this lady in waiting would have been very visible to henry oh yes like it wasn't always they weren't always behind closed doors right no. this person was parading in front of them a lot absolutely and I believe, depending on how many ladies in waiting were employed, there would be, you would have a ranking amongst you as a lady in waiting. And the top favorites of the queen would actually entourage around the court with her at all times. Hmm. And they were always very well-respected women as well. And when you first start out, when you first come to court as a lady, you usually are a lady in waiting if you are lucky and have enough uh, background with your family to get that far. And then you can progress from there. Um, so it was a very well-respected type of employment. Uh, Mary and Henry had their affair through 1525. They, they went a while. How long was that? A few years. Because, um, well... We'll get into it. Okay, sorry. But we do believe that, and in my opinion, especially with how everything else had come about, I'm pretty sure that her and Henry were were having the affair even in the early stages of Catherine's pregnancy. So this was going on for a while. Hmm. And by the time Mary Tudor reached the age of six, there were no other children. He had given Catherine less and less attention and their engagements with each other were so limited. And it was, it was becoming apparent by the court that something was going on. And in 1522, Mary Bolin's sister, Anne Bolin, came to court where she too became a lady in waiting. 
and fell under her sister's routines. And she was probably the younger. Yes. Maybe more attractive. Yep. Fresh. Fresh face. I don't know what you want to say fresh out of, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, absolutely. And again, you know, she's seen in the court's eye. Obviously, Henry knows everything. And she was definitely known for her wit and her fashion at court. And that actually gained her a lot of admirers right off the bat, which was way more than Mary had because Mary, there were, there were a lot of people that knew about the affair and she only gained negative attention through being known as the King's mistress. And once Anne came into the picture, she was kind of the shiny object. A shiny object, yeah, we'll put it that way for the court. And a lot of people started admiring her a lot more than even, let's say, Catherine. Uh, and it started becoming very apparent, and she wasn't making uh, really good, true friends, let's just say. And surprise, through all of this attention, Henry began to notice and he tried making Anne his mistress. And obviously this made Mary very angry, but Anne, we we got to bring this back up. She was a very witty girl and she kind of knew how to play the game. Hmm. So she continued to refuse Henry. And Mary was just not happy because he kind of just dropped Mary like that. Uh, And she became jealous. And eventually, because she was only getting negative attention with this scandal, she ended up having to step back from court. And all the while, Anne did not pay any attention to this. And she kept playing the game. Because her intent at this point, because she knew she had the king wrapped around her finger, thought that she could really play to her benefit. And in a way, she was right. Uh, She ended up in his favor. And not only would her efforts get her where she wanted to, but it would also come back to backfire quite heavily with her temporary victory. Anne kept telling Henry that she could not give herself to anyone unless she was married. She refused because she was pure and she definitely played the innocent card, even though she had flirted with many courtiers. She Hmm. tried to be the image of a pure maiden to Henry to entice him. Sounds sounds like she was just playing a little game. Oh, yeah. Not like a player, but, you know, like kind of just play the odds, so to speak, to make sure, you know, she had options. Right. And I think for her, she was known to be a charmer. And I think at first it might have scared her to be in that light coming to court so soon to have that happen. But I think... She definitely was dipping her toe so she could see how far she could go. And then she just said, yeah, I'm going to run with this and see what happens. 
Hmm. So as you can imagine, because Henry doesn't like to be told no, he was very desperate to have Anne. And surprise, surprise, he began a process to just have a little bit more power. Hmm. He wanted to be involved with the church. Now, yes, okay, he is involved with the church anyway, as a monarch, he is giving each Sunday. But no, we're not talking that. Uh, We're talking like, I want to be the church. (laughs) Um, And this was completely unheard of. And of course, a blasphemy. And this charged a whole other political aspect that would really affect England for quite some time after the fact. And because I'll touch a little bit more in that later as well, but because this is not the route we're taking with the episode, please do your research if you want to learn more about that. It was quite ridiculous and very unheard of at the time. But Henry had demanded to have full power over the church and to have the final say in how it was run, a.k.a. the Church of England. Why would he he want this, you ask? He's playing God is what he's doing. and Exactly. Do whatever little Joffrey wants to do. Exactly. Because, again, little Henry doesn't like to be told no. (laughs) (laughs) And what did he want? Well, he wanted out of his marriage with Catherine because he can't marry Anne to, you know, do what he wants unless he's not married to Catherine, which was not heard of at the time. He ended up getting his way. He had enough power in the church to declare an annulment. Of Hmm. course, Catherine, at this point, had been denounced by him because this is when he decided he was going to bring up that little ditty about Catherine not being a proper wife. And he claimed that the reason why he didn't have a son was because he was cursed by marrying his brother's wife. So he put it on his dead brother. Yep. And Catherine. Yeah. Because he said, oh, you, you weren't even pure when I married you. I did you a service kind of deal. And Catherine took this really hard because they had been so happy for so many years. And she was a very devout Catholic. And She really did love Henry and she did try her best and she was well loved and she had denied the annulment for, of course she would deny it. Like, what the heck? Like, this is coming out of nowhere. This is a brand new thing that has never been heard of before. And she stated that I am the rightful queen, the the rightful queen and Mary is a legitimate child. And mm, yeah, of course, Henry was like, uh, uh. No, 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 no. So the Catholic Church would not grant him the annulment because they were in favor of Catherine. And I mean, at the time, this was just something that was completely unheard of. Hope that she gets her alimony and, you know, all that good stuff. Right. Well, folks, again, uh, we don't go into the Church of England, uh, and we're not going to really get into the lives of Mary and Elizabeth either. Um, I do highly recommend that you look into that. And this might, this might be a great episode topic for later. Mary was known as Bloody Mary, uh, because there was a lot of 
issues with the church between Catholics and Protestants. Um, and I, I highly recommend that you, as the listener, go and look at that. If you haven't really touched on that much, it is a very interesting study. And it really goes to show you how things were formed. And by the time Elizabeth took the throne, she really had to put on her game face. I I think too that I read somewhere that that is the true origin of the Bloody Mary ritual, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which we might it get is. into some origins and things later down the road. But uh, the whole game that people play, which I was guilty of that too, but yeah, that's a <laughs> fun yep. fact. Oh yeah, uh, she uh, Mary did end up reigning England for a while. Um, and it was shortly lived because of the things that she was quite the ruthless queen. Let's just put it that way. Uh, she got a little bit of that from her daddy, but uh, yeah, it, there is a very rich history with the Tudors. That's for sure. When the Catholic church had <laughs> not granted that annulment, Henry was pissed. Uh, and he decided that he was going to really take matters into his own hands and he would do anything in his power and or power he didn't have yet uh, to make that happen. You just don't tell him no. It just gets you in trouble. This caused a root of events to happen. Catherine was banished from court and waited seven years for that annulment to go through so that they could be married in 1533. It was early 1533, and we're going to say this right now. It happened in January, and Elizabeth was born in September of the same year. They wasted no time. Wow. Yeah. And their marriage, uh, Henry and Anne's marriage, only lasted three years. And during that time, Henry had accused her of witchcraft and adultery and a lot of other things because again he didn't get he didn't get his son and because of everything that went down henry was just unhappy he had caused an annulment to try to get to somebody else to see if that person was good enough to give him a son and if that didn't happen well things were going to just start getting weird and he had decided that he was going to arrest Anne and she was sentenced to death by beheading that took place on Tower Green and she is the famous uh Anne Boleyn of the Tower of London yes the ghost of the Tower of London she's like one of the more present uh more common apparitions i think too she is and there were actually a lot of uh i I don't know what is true i don't know if they've ever quite proven it but there is documentation of when she was beheaded that after the fact her eyes and mouth were still moving oh my gosh okay yeah yes i remember reading that that yeah did they Oh man, I wish I would remember the full story on that because I remember reading something about like they picked, didn't they pick up her head? Yep. And she looked over, she either looked over at the executioner or something to that effect that would indicate that she, like she made it very known, whatever she was looking at was very intentional. 
Yes. Uh, I think it was the executioner. I can look it up. You should. (laughs) It was something. It was something like she looked at the crowd and then over to him or something. Yeah. It very, very weird. Um, so if that's true, (laughs) yeah. Um, so in that time, while things were going south with Anne, uh, there now proves to be a pattern with Henry's interests. He likes women who are named Catherine, Anne, and Jane. And he also has a thing for ladies-in-waiting. We now introduce Jane Seymour, who, you guessed it, was Anne Boleyn's lady-in-waiting. And oh, when my it, gosh. Oh, yeah. He had, he had a type. He had a he type, had for a sure. Type. He totally did. Mm. We have to kind of think about how desperate he was getting at this point because we don't know if he intentionally chose Jane because she was the exact opposite of Anne in personality. Uh, she was known as one of the king's favorites, and that was because she gave him a son. And she was known to be very meek and very timid towards people. And it was kind of what Henry wanted because she didn't really stand up to him. And he noticed her very soon after she began attending Anne. And 11 days after Anne's execution, Jane and Henry were wed. Wow. Yeah. He wasted no time. No time. (laughs) And in October of 1537, their son Edward was born. And in the same month, she passed away due to complications with the birth. Henry was actually beside himself on this one because whether I'm sure he had a lot of affection for her, whether it was true love or not, or whether it was just love because she had given him a son remains to be proven. Um, But he was very upset by it. And he searched for three years to find somebody to replace Jane and had no luck. He just, he wasn't into the state of desperation at this point. I guess it's probably because he did have a son now. But after three years of searching comes Anne of Cleves, who this is a very well-known story that apparently he had been tricked because he, back in that time, you were sent portraits of potential suitors. Uh, and he claims up and down that the portrait that they had sent of Anne of Cleves was very deceiving because, oh no, yeah, (laughs) apparently she was quite beautiful in her portrait. And when she came to court, apparently that was not the case. That sounds very much like what you hear with Tinder profiles. Yeah. (laughs) Like (laughs) the original Tinder. (laughs) And when they show up on dates, they're like, this is not the same person at all. Yeah, exactly. And whether or not she was, uh, who knows? She she was the original catfish. (laughs) Yes, the original catfish. Uh, And she was probably sent up by her dad for that or her family to get good standings with Henry. But poor girl. Um, Henry was quite openly disappointed with her and made a lot of comments openly about her. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) He even told Cromwell. On his fourth wedding day, and I quote, My lord, if it were not 
to satisfy the world and my realm, I would not do that I must do this day for none earthly thing. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Both of them were quite unhappy. And (laughs) Henry claimed that he could just not carry on with the marriage and he could absolutely not carry through with husbandly duties. Hmm. So after six months, she agreed to an annulment. Okay. She's like, we're both, we're both obviously not in this for the right reason. Yeah. Yeah. So lucky for her. She got out of that one. So (laughs) guess who was a lady in waiting for Anne of Cleves in that brief amount of time? Oh, no. (laughs) Catherine Howard. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. There's apparently only three names back then. Oh, yeah. Only. Oh, you have Elizabeth, too. But, you know, she was the daughter at this point. There there was no other, you know, Elizabeth that apparently Henry was into. He just really loved Catherine's and Anne's and Jane's. Catherine Howard. There's a lot of significance with her because not only was she a lady-in-waiting for Anne of Cleves, she was Mary and Anne's cousin. And she was obviously younger, but she knew what had happened with both of her cousins. Yeah. At this and, point, there would be a lot <laughs> of talk about what yeah, what had happened. Exactly. But she was so young. And I think having that naive way of life at that point, as she was totally known as a flirtatious and emotional woman at court. And this drew some intrigue from Henry. They were married in 1540. And Henry was absolutely taken with her. He was known to just dote over her. And she she was so naive. And she just went with it. And because she was younger and Henry was older, it's not a surprise that she was interested in men her age more than older men. And after just 17 months of marriage, she was arrested for adultery. Uh oh. Just and like I'm sh- Anne. I'm sure that uh is punishable by some pretty bad Oh yeah. Things. Yeah. Oh you guessed it. Highly punishable. Beheading. What are we talking about? Burning at the stake? Beheading. Oh. And there's a nasty parallel between her and her cousin. So while Anne Boleyn was falsely accused of adultery, Catherine very much was accused correctly for adultery. Uh, she was attracted to a lot of men, and <laughs> she just she was very carefree. Let's just put it that way. And she <laughs> she got caught in 1542, only six years after her cousin Catherine faced the exact same fate in the exact same spot in the exact same way, beheading at Tower Green. And she was only 20 at most. Oh, wow. And Henry was 51. There's only so much. I don't know. I can see the appeal of her like wanting to be married to this guy and his high status and being taken care of. But once you get in that, you know, like, I don't know. (laughs) The truth is the truth. The age difference is a little bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. Not that it's a problem for everybody, but. Right. You you get it, at least in her case. Yeah. She didn't come to court expecting that. And 
She wanted to be loved for who she was, but she was so flirtatious and emotional. And that was something at the time where women weren't supposed to be openly emotional like that. Uh, so it, it drew some people because it was so different. It was so new to society to have somebody like that at court. But at the same time, she did get a lot of flack for it and she wasn't necessarily well liked. And I think that drew a lot into people trying to find ways to get her out of there. What happens next? (laughs) After England had faced not only a lot of devastation in the court, but also outside, it didn't matter. England was still expecting Henry to find a new queen. His eyes went to Lady Latimer, better known as Catherine Parr. She was twice widowed and was seeing Thomas Seymour at the time, who was the brother of the late Jane Seymour. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of weird-ass connections. (laughs) She was obviously to Henry a perfect candidate because she had been widowed twice before. She was still young and she didn't have children. And he wanted somebody that wasn't going to go against him in any way. He didn't want to be lied to. He didn't want to go into a marriage thinking, oh, she's pure, blah, blah. um, And then find out she's not. So he knew going in with Catherine, what, what, her backstory was. So she was kind of the perfect candidate. And unfortunately, Catherine had already been married off. She was so looking forward to having a happy life with Thomas because she was now free as a young widow to have more freedom than a lot of other women who hadn't been widowed. Widows had a little bit more to work with, which is kind of odd. Uh, A year after Howard's execution, Henry began sending Parr gifts. And when Thomas Seymour saw Henry's interest in Catherine, he wisely stepped aside. Because even though he was one of the king's favorite queens' brother, it didn't stop Henry from doing fucking anything. We know this at this point. Uh, She knew that she had to keep everyone happy. So Catherine did what was, again, expected of her. And still had great love for Thomas and Thomas absolutely understood. Uh, She went for it in July. It's so sad. It's so crazy too, because you know that she knows at this point of all the things that have happened previously. And then to be in love with someone and have to give that up, knowing what your potential fate could be. Right. And to just say, yeah, exactly. And she was no a lot of people liked her because she was she was a good woman and she did a lot for those around her she was very much a person that liked to keep everybody happy and so she knew that this was she she had to play along at this point and she she did in a very respectful way i have to give her kudos because especially with Albury having arranged marriages and finally going oh my gosh I can finally live out a good, happy life. And I'm still young enough to have the freedoms to do things. I can take on somebody that I love instead of somebody who's arranged for me. Oh, no, just kidding. Here comes the king. And in July of 1543, 
they were married and she proved to be a very good queen. And she was actually very loved by Mary and Elizabeth and Edward. She took a lot of pride in them, which is something that even back then you don't necessarily see because, you know, they're her stepchildren and it was expected of her to carry on the line and focus on her own children. But she she loved them very much. She doted on them so hard. And she was the one that actually advocated for Elizabeth Tudor to get her education because otherwise Elizabeth wouldn't have. So really, we have her to thank for Elizabeth being the queen, who she was. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she tried to be useful in any way that she possibly could. And she really did try to keep the peace because there was a lot of upheaval within the court, within England. And the the king really did think that she was the perfect companion for him. And he really did kind of not necessarily change his ways, but, you know, he did kind of open his eyes a little bit. And he loved her so much that he did consider her to be his absolute favorite wife. So much so that when Henry was away on business, she was made the regent of England. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. And that was to the uh, much dismay of others. But she did it flawlessly because when he would come back, everything was still in the order that he wanted it. And most of the time, they were in positive progress on things. Um, and he, I mean, especially at that point and for his rough record with women to have that kind of honor given says a lot. <laughs> she, yeah. And yeah. which actually makes me really sad thinking that something bad might happen to her. Oh, it came close, actually. <laughs> Even though they were very open with each other, she was actually, she was so open about education, uh, the knowledge to have debates with people. She actually had her own room for having debates. Um, she was such an intellectual and she would often do this with Henry too. And it got to a point one night where, you know, at this point we have to remember Henry is going through some really nasty medical stuff between leg ulcers and headaches. And it was believed that he had type two diabetes and other underlying health issues. He was in a lot of pain and he was very irritable, even more than what he used to be. <laughs> so one night when they were in their bedroom, uh, she came really close to the edge uh, they had had an intellectual discussion about religion. It really pissed Henry off. And he basically said, get the hell out of my room. So she went back to her room. The next morning, when she opened her door, there was a warrant for her arrest for apparent heresy, obviously from the king. She, Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Can you imagine nowadays if like you have a, a spat with your partner and you're like, <laughs> You're going to sleep on the couch tonight. And then some yep. dude shows up at the door. <laughs> with the yeah. Warrant. You're like, mm, yeah, dude, you are under arrest. <laughs> you're like, oh what? <laughs> what the shit? And especially since they, I mean, they would have conversations like this all the time. And just one night he was like, oh, no, not doing this. You cannot challenge the church of Henry. Yeah, period. exactly. You just 
Henry, you can't tell him no. He just did not like that. But kudos for Catherine. Uh, she decided she was going to pick that warrant up, march down to her husband's chambers, and be like, bitch, what the fuck is this? No, she didn't say it like that. Um, she knew what was happening. And of course, she's smart. She knows his past. She decided to play the game. And she kind of made herself a little more meek and saying, oh, I thought last night we were just having a conversation and I just wanted to discuss some things with you that I had learned. And obviously, you know, as my husband and the king, you know what's best for me. And I'm just trying to learn, you know, my way around so that I have a better knowledge to focus on debates and to help you. And it worked. Yeah. So she, she, had to in, she had to inflate his ego in order yep. to keep herself off the chopping block. Yep. And it, good for her for knowing how to play it because otherwise she would have ended up just like the others. Uh, so she, fortunately, she escaped that fate and Henry called off the warrant. And for her, uh, it didn't quite end there. Uh, she continued to be a great, great queen. But in 1546, Henry's health took a turn for the worse after battling those leg ulcers uh, due to those past injuries from hunting. And often because he had such terrible pains and was so irritable, it was hard to decipher what was really his attitude and what was really caused by the pain from what was going on with him. Um, and it is thought, like I had mentioned that before, um, after years later of studies, because they didn't know what this was at the time, but it was thought that he may have had hypertension and type 2 diabetes, which would not have helped him in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and finally, in January of 1547, he had died from complications with these things. In 1552, at the age of 15, Henry's son, Edward, died due to illness. Many believe it was tuberculosis, just like Edward's father, or I'm sorry, grandfather, Henry's father. Henry's daughters, Mary and Elizabeth, would go on to make history, of course, in much different ways. I highly recommend looking that up, listeners. Really get a good feel for those two ladies because, woo. Did they bring their A-game when it came to politics and religious wars and everything? Um, yeah, I think that's a great turn of events, to be yeah. honest, considering all the damage that was done by Henry, you know? Exactly. And kind of a slap in the face. Yeah, Boom. exactly. And poor Edward. I mean, he he was ill and it was unfortunate but with what happened, but I'm I'm in agreement with you. He was so desperate for a son, and his daughters came up on top. I mean, Mary made history. Yeah, exactly. And they were some of the most powerful rulers that we have seen come out of England. And that one woman, the one wife, helped to shape that too. Yeah. If you think about it, she, the last wife, she was the one who, you know, wanted them to be educated and. Exactly. She very witty and she challenged um, 
obviously challenged the thought process that Henry had at that time. And yeah. So kudos, Catherine Parr. Yeah. All of that, all wrapped up into one. And you know, I would be so interested to know what Henry thought. What would he think after his daughters had their full reigns and everything went through? I want to know what his thoughts are now. They say when you cross to the other side, you have a full awareness of Mm -hmm. everything. So I'm sure that if he does know that he probably feels pretty dumb about some of the choices that he made. But ultimately, every decision that he made led to that outcome. Right. Yeah. The the phoenix out of the embers kind of deal, for sure. Crazy. Oh, yeah. And there's some kind of interesting facts about Henry, too. I mean, we got to give him, I guess, a tiny bit of credit in some aspects, but they're not necessarily good credit. So don't get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember one from the um B episode. Oh, yes. Okay. You have to tell it again for the listeners. Yeah. So I don't remember the exact date, but he was the one who basically gave the Bedlam Asylum to, he kind of like designated it as London's mental health psychiatric asylum. He was the one who said, this is what it is, you know, kind of gave it to the city, uh, which I Mm -hmm. found really interesting. Yeah, exactly. I still don't understand the motivation of that, but. Right. I, I think if we, I think if we dug deep enough, we could probably figure out where that stemmed from. and. I would like to know the time frame in which that happened versus what else was going on in his life. Because I feel look, like there was a motive. Let me look that. Yeah, I'll pull the yeah. hair from the episode while you tell the other facts. Heck yeah. So believe it or not, Henry was the first English king to be called your majesty. Because again, Henry could not be outdone because the Holy Roman Emperor is called your grace. So Henry's like, mm, then you can call me your majesty. <laughs> So he was another, that was another Joffrey move. Yeah, definitely. So you can about imagine how that all went down with the Church of England transformation. Yeah, not not great. No, not at all. Like, (laughs) he was also nicknamed the Coppernose King because during his reign, there was some financial upheaval. And while his court was still doing great, uh, England in general wasn't. And he had issued very cheap currency in order to save some money for his own coffers. And these coins were copper that were silver coated with his face on it. Yeah. And the coating would always rub off on his (laughs) nose first. (laughs) Like copper nose king. Um, That's funny. Right. We know that uh, the Tower of London was very active while he was alive, and it is reported that he ordered over 72,000 executions during his reign alone. No. Yeah. I don't think I've ever come into contact with 72,000 people in my whole Uh, entire life. Right? I don't even live in a fucking city that's 72,000 people. (laughs) Like, dude. That's a lot of people. Yeah. I wonder what the population was at that time. I want to know as well. I I mean, we know that, especially around London, um, there it was so overpopulated. Um, obviously, you had like stuff like the sweating sickness. But it, I mean, England wasn't necessarily in the best of health, you know? Um, oh, I just, and imagine, who's got time for that? 
I mean, that was like, his full-time job. It yeah. Seems like. He's just like. Just executing people. You get a sword and you get a sword. <laughs> I have a date for you. Yes. Oh, yes. So it was 1547. The institution was granted by Henry VIII to the city of London as a hospital for the mentally ill. So what was going on in 1547? Where would that put us in the uh, You know what? He died in 1547. But I'm so, almost wondering, that was probably wow. when it was officially posted. But I bet because he started really getting ill in 46, he was probably starting to rethink some shit. And I bet he tried to put as much as he could into that. Because he was doing awful and he wanted as many resources as possible. Yeah, I would think obviously being in that type of, I mean, with suffering those type of illnesses, it probably affected him mentally. Oh, you know definitely. what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, and he probably had a lot of time to lay around and think about what all he had the done. bad decisions. <laughs> and maybe that, yeah. And maybe this was just like a last ditch effort to say, I want a place for people that are suffering to be able to go to yeah. get treatment. Yeah, exactly. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt like that. There's got to be something redeeming to this guy. I hope. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, that happens right at the end of your life. I think you no matter who you are, I think, you know, even people that are sitting in an electric chair or whatever, right. they probably have those moments of like, oh, shit. Oh, balls. Yeah, exactly. I, at least you would hope. You would hope. <laughs> like uh, what we talked about in your last episode, that guy didn't have any remorse, but uh, no, you would he's hope still that somebody. And... Yeah. Mm, people. Here's another interesting thing that we should probably cover because he he was really obsessed with sons right mm -hmm. so even though he spent his entire life blaming his wives for not having sons they've done studies on his bloodline and dna in the more recent years now that we have the technology for that and it is actually believed that he might have been the reason why he didn't have any sons it was in his gene pool and after studying the bloodline scientists have concluded that he potentially had the Kel antigen, which causes reproductive issues and could have been a factor in what led to madness. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I just love that kind of Very stuff. Very interesting. I mean, how would we right? how would we ever know any of that? We have the exactly. ability DNA is I mean, obviously the last episode, DNA solved a case that had been unsolved for, for twenty some years. And right. We can Go back and do like analysis on things that happen, you know, hundreds, yeah. thousands. It's incredible. Right. Did I tell you I ordered an ancestry kit? <gasps> no. I did it this morning. <gasps> That's awesome. Yeah, because we were talking about the witch in my family. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll get into that probably later when we talk about witchcraft. But yes. um, yeah, so I got my ancestry.com kit. I did it this morning. So I'll send it out in the mail. Uh, and then I think they said it takes like six weeks, but once okay. I get that back, I can't wait to share it with you. Oh, I can't wait to hear about it. I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Dude, sorry, awesome. I side railed. Oh, no, you're totally fine. The only thing I really have to say at the end of this episode is it, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to unwrap. And remember, if you want to know in the order in which... Henry married that famous saying, divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. But 
just barely. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I had never heard that before. Yeah. Uh, it's a good way to remember it because, uh, I mean, unfortunately, that's what happened, but I mean, holy drama, Batman. Yeah, lots of drama. Yeah, way to be, Henry. Way to be. And we can only hope that at the end of his life, he did something re- somewhat redeeming, but still. I hope so. I, I hope that's why he did it. <laughs> Woof, that was exhausting. <laughs> that was a long one, too. Oh, I feel yeah. like last couple have been long. So yeah. thanks for sticking around, people. Heck yeah. Thanks for listening, friends. And <laughs> If you still are here, I hope you are. I hope we, we've we been keeping it interesting for you. There's a lot of places to find us. We have a Facebook page. You can find us at Macabre Podcast. We also have a website called macabrepod.com. You can also reach us at our email, which is macabre at gmail.com. And exciting exciting patreon and where can can we be found yeah on patreon so if you just go to patreon and type in macabre podcast you'll find us yeah and maybe we'll post that somewhere you know we maybe we'll post a link in the facebook group or instagram or whatever the case may be but yeah i think the goal is to um put ad free content on there which if you're listening to this on spotify or Apple podcast or whatever platform, you know, there, there will most likely be ads. Um, yeah. So we have a few tiers on there that you can choose from and it'll just give you access to ad free content. And then the different tiers have other perks and benefits. Heck yeah. And then oh, yeah. and we have an Instagram. Thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> yeah. The Instagram. I mean, I'm not <laughs> super great about, you know, keeping up with that, but, um, we will do better. Heck yeah. I Connect promise. with us. So the other thing is kind of as an ongoing request that we make uh, yes. two things. The first one is now that we are on Apple iTunes, if you can please leave us a glowing review, a five-star rating, we will be forever in your debt. Yes. Because it really helps us to get exposure. It will keep us more visible to potential new listeners Mm -hmm. and we would love to do this full time (laughs) eventually and that will help that will help and we totally want to hear from you seriously so what stories do you want listeners to send us by email or recording oh yeah i'm glad you brought that up we are looking for your macabre hometown stories we know you have them don't keep it a secret Whether it happened to you or something in the vicinity of you, we want to hear it. Please, please, please. Uh, Those snippets, we call them speak pipes. They last five minutes. If you want to continue after that, feel free to send us another one. Just let us know that you have a second piece coming. Yeah. And that what that does is it's on the website. Uh, There's a little banner at the top that you can click on. And there's also it's located elsewhere within the pages. And uh, the recording will pretty much come over to the email within like a couple of minutes. So we'll see. And we can kind of go through and listen to those. And the goal is to listen to your story. And then we'll tell them in our own words or dig into the research a little bit more and share them 
as bonus content, whether it be on a podcast platform or we might get enough at some point to start putting those on the Patreon. So there will be yeah. hopefully a lot of stories that we can share with you. We want to hear from the macabre hotties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing um, it. I don't know. Uh, I hope you guys <laughs> like it. If you know, if you don't like it, let us know. But you know, you're macabre hotties to us. Just keep it going. Keep well, it going. We, we want to be macabre hotties too. Not Heck just yeah. the, not just the ladies of macabre, but exactly macabre hotties. We strive for that macabre hottie status. <laughs> uh, last piece of what do we call it? Closing commentary is the next episode. Yes. Is going to be i for idioms and you're like oh that sounds boring but really it's not it's actually digging into common phrases that we say that actually have darker origins Mm -hmm. and so we'll be talking about things all throughout history that are attached to things that we say now that we take for granted and what the actual meaning is. Yeah, I cannot wait because I know there there's a lot that I do not know the backstory on. Yes, I'm excited. It's fun. (laughs) I know. I can't wait. I remember you telling me about one previously that I was just so in shock at that. And and also side note, one of the books that I'm reading today, it's in there. (gasps) Are you serious? It has it has like a little bit more in info attached to it so i'll definitely expand on that one in the episode heck yeah oh i'm excited (laughs) (laughs) all right well we did it we are did it we are just cranking it out heck yeah another one for the very grim books (laughs) (laughs) all right well we will see you next time heck yeah and until then have fun and be safe be safe. And <laughs> if you marry into a monarch situation with the past of executing the previous yeah. partners, don't do that. No. And if he mentions something about his name being Henry and he has a thing for like Catherine's and like Jane's and, and like um, uh, Anne's, don't do it. <laughs> Just don't. don't Historically, do not yeah. good. Historically, not. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.